Hi, hello, and welcome to the after party. My boy! Oh, my son. Oh, I know. Everyone at this table's really sad because, you know, Alabaster hit the deck and everyone's upset. No, the problem is he didn't hit the deck so many times. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. And apparently, Eric said, as soon as we turned off the mics, I really wanted to win. Eric, what the hell? Okay. We play Dungeons and Dragons on a podcast. So you've been recording this? Yeah, we've been recording this whole time. Wild. Wait, what if I said "tiss" or other bad words? <laughs> then we bleep them. I think it's illegal. I think we all have to go to jail. Oh no! Why would anyone want money? to listen to a Dungeons and Dragons podcast? I don't, me. I don't know. They don't even know us. Is that where all those cookies came from? Yeah, it is. Oh, thanks, fans. So, although I have thrown challenges at you and puzzles and problems. Your actions would always kind of dictate what happened. Like the dice rolls, there's always a certain amount of destiny, and if you fail so many times, you will lose. But there, I guess, like the plot will always kind of go in a way. Like losing a fight will not necessarily totally derail the in- entire plot. You know what I'm saying? Like the journey gonna... might be circuitous, but we'll make it to our destination. Exactly. You're not gonna like on episode ten just like kill us all off. Yeah, like total party kill, game over. The podcast is done. Right. In this situation, this is the first time, although I was DMing and doing a lot of stuff at the same time, that I was trying actively to win. And, like, if I won, it was okay. And if I lost, it was okay. Like, there is a very much a diverting path here of where the podcast could go. It sucks that we're incapable of losing now. How do you feel about that? Well, listen, you guys lost quite a lot of things. (laughs) And there are repercussions about how close you actually were to not winning. Let's talk about it then. This is the after party. It's where you tell me all the secrets, Eric. Okay. It's where where everything is not a secret anymore. No secrets exist in after parties. That's true. Yeah, I want to hear what happened if we lost. Well, here's the win. I'm not going to tell you that. Oh, dang. But I can tell you the win conditions Mm -hmm. for both parties here. So the win condition, obviously, for you was to hit Alonzo with the neutralizer three times. A sick name that I made up on the fly. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. What did Franny call it? The super soaker. I don't know what's happening here. I just invented how it looked. I don't know what she called it. I think just the secret weapon. I don't know. No, she had a long name for it. And then I, I Mo- don't know. Mostly I tune out Franny at this point. So You're hurtful and you say hurtful <laughs> things to me on the regular. The Alonzo slash the Council of Bright's win condition was to have Alonzo's hands on the barrel until it became Alonzo's initiative again. Mm. Okay, good. So, so we were really close. You guys were so close. Basically, if you had not found a way to get Alonzo's hands off of the barrel, then you would have lost. Then mm. Alonzo would have won and things would have been totally different. I hate it. I don't hate it. I think this was really interesting and I was excited to kind of go all out to try to um, stop everything. So it was much easier for Alonzo to win than, than for us to win. Cause we had to hit them three times versus their one round of handheld. All, well, all the way around. I mean, Alonzo and the Titans had initiative very close to each other, which was detrimental to them in the long run. So it did need to go Tracy, Alabaster, Dog, Cole, and Nara before Alonzo went all the way around. I mean, Alonzo can't pick up the barrel. 
which was also the other thing. When I was making DC 20 strength checks to pick this thing up. So it was difficult. I mean, these guys are strong. The grappler is stronger than the other two, but it was still kind of a, a big roll. Every time I got kind of lucky and I rolled a 20 or above a bunch of times in a row there. But every time the grappler went down, it dropped the barrel. So I had to keep doing it. So what was the deal with them being able to revive themselves? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Yes, well, I'm so glad that you asked, Julia. Well, Tracy and <laughs> Cole both knew that they were battery powered mm -hmm. in that way. And Alabaster did try to pull the battery out of one of them. They didn't die unless you pulled the battery out. Yeah, I got that. Try, <laughs> Why did you guys so do hard. it? Well, because, okay, so the first time it happened, I was going to pull it out anyway because I knew if I get five batteries, something cool happens, Eric has told me. So yes. I have three in my possession. So I was in my head. I was like, I'm going to knock them down and then grab the battery. Are you sure that cool doesn't mean like total world annihilation? That's still pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they were alive, you could still grab the battery. Well, yeah, and then the last turn I was going to just like grab it, but then it was either grab it from the Titan or tackle Alonso. Sure. Yeah, my goal ended up being trying to destroy the batteries rather than pulling them out, which I think, in in hindsight, probably could have been easier to just pull them out. Yeah, I mean, they have a relatively low AC, so like it wasn't that unheard of. I mean, you did get it that one time. The pick-your-spot rule of attacks it has always been more difficult than just like kind of doing damage, which has been around since the first edition of D&D. I don't actually remember how... It goes, so I kind of bullshitted the double or nothing rule, which mm -hmm. I think is fine, yeah. though, honestly. I mean, it's true. It's like if you if you know that you could get a medium outcome, but you want to try for a higher one, like that seems fair to me. I think if you had killed it while you had fired at the battery, though, it would have exploded. Yeah. And it would have been dead dead. I'm just mad at myself now. You're okay. Yeah, listen, it all kind of worked out there at the end. I'm also mad I missed my freaking shot like four times in a row. I was getting so frustrated and bored. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I shoot again. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Not anyone's fault. It's just how it worked out. I chose to wield that weapon because I had fewer options, I think, than everybody else mm -hmm. in terms of ways to deal damage or, you know, influence the scenario. And I'm glad I got there in the end, but I was really freaking worried. It's really like the last minute possible. Mm -hmm. I thought you were just the best suited to handle that weapon because you have the most stealth and like you're the quickest and your function is to move fast and attack stealthily and get away. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tracy's is to hit hard and Cole's is to cry. Yep, that's me. Over. That's and my... do some sick wrestling moves. That was, uh, well, right. Alabaster was doing the sick wrestling moves. I was just shooting a, a gun. <laughs> Tell us about your turret friend. Oh, yeah. Little so, fire boy. So we were told by Eric to prep something as part of this siege. And during that period of time, D&D &D released new Unearthed Arcana for the Artificer. And Eric said I could use it so long as he didn't have to read it. Because I invested so much time into helping Tracy figure this out that I just don't want to read anything else. Yeah, I am also not going to read it. <laughs> I was also mad because this is exactly what happened with... Johnny as the warlock and like the new Undying Light one came out and it, he was just like a warlock who is a cleric. And I thought that the a original... bunch more um a bunch more rogue archetypes came out just after we started the show, which yeah, would have been exactly. much better than Assassin. <laughs> that would have been better for you. I think it's more like the archetypes would have helped Inara really flesh out her character a little yeah. bit more. I think it's the opposite for Artificer and this warlock. The thing that they originally released was like very essential to both Johnny and Tracy. He's a gunsmith. He's Mega Man. Like, that, yeah. that's the kind of person that we've created. And the Undying Light Warlock, like, the original one, could deal so much light damage. Like, we don't need a cleric. Mm -hmm. I'll just be a cleric. Yeah. Ugh. 
Anyway, I kind of look at it as more archetypes for Artificer rather than we're eliminating what previous Unearthed Arcana we had. And so it's getting very, more very options. generous of you. I'm doing my yeah. best. I just think they're not compatible anymore. So it's just difficult. OK, that's fair. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Julia walked into a family dinner where we're all like, everything's fine. <laughs> I was like, OK, I liked it. Sebastian was really cool. I like a turret that can walk around like a crab. It was yeah. very what cool. are some of the cool features of the new Unearthed? So for the turret specifically, you can choose an option. So it can be the flamethrower, which is what I chose. Neat. There is like a ranged attack that has really high damage and really far range, which feels better for something like an R was doing where it's sniping from a distance. Mm-hmm. And then there's also one that can give like buffs to your fellow people. So if they're everyone's within like 10 feet of it, they get like plus a certain amount of health. That's cool. I cool. Like that. Yeah, it seemed very cool. Interesting. I just really love Torbjorn in Overwatch. So it's like, I want that. I'm glad we all stopped to play 20 hours of Overwatch before we yeah. started recording I'm the game again. I'm still bad at it. Yeah, me too. Very importantly, is Al dead? So. <laughs> With a mechanical servant in the Artificer, I can either use a spell like Revivify on him. I can heal him up to one hit point after a long rest. Or I can, if he was like extremely damaged, I don't know, we haven't really talked about it. But if he's extremely damaged, I have to take a 40-hour work week uh, and rebuild him completely. Unpaid. Working nine to five. What a way to build a robot. (laughs) That's very good. I think an unknown fact is that Eric loves Dolly Parton more than most people. I do love Dolly Parton. She's very good. So, Amanda, you were talking about how hard it was to hit Alonzo. Well, I was working on his stat block. I originally had a player character sheet for him, which I realized gave him too much power mm-hmm. in a way. Like, he was a 10th level fighter. And I just realized it didn't make any sense if we were actually going to get into a real battle. So, I went on the internet and I found that someone made a NPC compendium of all of the classes subclasses so i went and i used the arcane archer which was renamed the elite elven archer because it's like <laughs> supposed to be like elven magic runs through you but like don't worry i like about that it. they kept the alliteration I like arcane though. better oh yeah. yeah i like arcane archer as well and i use that as his stat block so that was actually really fun so you can use all of these things that your characters are so it's like a monster manual but for NPCs, basically. It's a monster manual for class subclasses, yeah, yeah. which is super cool. Yeah. I can send, I'll send this to anyone. I found this on RD&D, which is like a very nice place on the internet. <laughs> As like Reddit and also the internet and gaming goes. Like, it's nice to hear. It's very nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. Well, I thought it was uh, extremely frustrating, but also suitable that Alonzo was so hard to beat. I mean, not Alonzo, right? Like like the Council of Bright in Alonzo's body. Mm-hmm. It's not our friend. It's the some kind of, you know, otherworldly, unearthly power that is occupying him. So that was my first, like, you know, when we first kind of saw Alonzo in, like, under possession, he was so much more powerful than we realized. And, like, he's hit me now with arrows three times. But it made sense in that it's not him powering himself. So we didn't like, you know, get these abilities out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, it's some intervention happening. And I, we still don't know, you know, the actual details of like what the Council of Bright is and how it can be contained or, or beaten. We're just kind of going off of whatever information we have from Franny and trying to just contain the threat. Yeah. I, yeah, I would say we didn't really even beat them no. or him necessarily. We just sort of like fixed a situation with our friend we like diffused this one bomb but there are there's a potential for many more yeah Mm -hmm. i mean the i don't know i mean we haven't been outside yet but the necklace was spinning so i don't know what the situation for the stars is right now 
I can't say necessarily. I think that nothing particularly earth-shattering has happened yet, so that's better than nothing, I guess. Normal is better than bad. Yeah. Now, here's an idea. Once we let them out of the crystalline structure, the Council of Bright... The Metapod Chrysalis, yes. The Metapod Chrysalis. Council of Bright inhabits our deceased badger friend. Yeah. And then we have a Council of Bright Badger. The Council of Badger to watch the badger die again. <laughs> Every time I use this damn thing, I have to steal my heart against the fact that I'm going to get a new perfect companion and then see them And they're all badgers. Unspool. Everything's <laughs> a Apparently badger. you only roll badgers. What are some of the other options? I love the bag of fricks. I think it's one of my favorite items. I think it's really funny that you can just kind of like give yourself an animal companion. It only exists for 24 hours, so it's very um, liminal in that way. Or until you murder it. Oops. It's, it's for people I... who want pets but don't want responsibility. <laughs> they go away after 24 hours. Uh, Amanda is pulling from the gray bag of tricks, which you can... I'm not going to tell you. You can research on your own time. But there are two other flavors of Bag of Tricks. So I can tell you the animals in that. Free uh, punch. The <laughs> Tropic. The Rust Bag of Tricks. Green has... Machine. Okay. <laughs> That's a naked smoothie flavor. Arctic Breeze. <laughs> Winter Flavor mint. Blasted. I think we're done. Flame it hot. <laughs> All right. There it is. So the Rust Bag of Tricks has a rat, an owl, a mastiff, so a doge, uh, a goat, a giant goat, a gi- <laughs> which is very funny. an even gianter goat, a larger goat, uh, a giant boar, a lion, and a brown bear. Ooh! Right. And I've really rolled badger twice. Yeah, <laughs> but like if my table is the same size, I'm amazed that I have rolled badger both times. Yeah, these are totally separate entities. So the badger is one number, and then the giant badger is six, which is you just rolled. Much like goat and giant goat. I like to think canonically it was like the deceased soul of the first badger came back even better than before. (laughs) Back with a vengeance. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I did use a table like this for the live show when you guys were looking around for animals to ride on into battle. And I remember someone got goat and then Amanda got giant goat. And I'm like, this is what happens. I don't (laughs) control it. It's Dungeons and Dragons. I'm actually super excited about my scrap titans, which were really cool. Yeah, tell us yeah, about those. Where do they come tell from? Tell me, how did the council activate those? So I was talking with Connor, Connor McLaughlin. You might know him from being related to Amanda and also being one of our creative consultants here. Enjoy the party. We've been kicking around this idea, and as we've got closer and closer through hunting party to having the showdown in the arena, we've been trying to figure out how to make the spice this up. As you know, I take fights extremely seriously, make sure they're action-packed, and I really wanted to make this interesting in all these type of ways. So Connor was like, well, the Council of Bright is going to be unveiled after the last episode. You should really have the Council flex its power. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And he's like, you should put a sculpture garden outside of the arena because there is a sculpture garden. And if the council is related to the centering in this way, there will be like artifacts scattered around. I really wanted to put in the idea that there were some artifacts that people do not remember. Because, again, we've talked about this so many times. As Amanda said a few episodes ago, everyone just talks about the centering and then stops. <laughs> and it's because people don't really know about it. Yeah. They think the name is, like, powerful enough, and then they can't really say anything more. Yeah. Now, is there a reality in which the sculpture garden outside of Jersey Mike's Arena was just sandwiches, and then we fought sandwiches? Or sandwich parts. Or Dancing sandwich tomato. Parts. Dancing <laughs> lettuce. 
dancing cheese. Dancing well, we did bread. fight the cheese. That's true. <laughs> we did fight the cheese. There is an alternate universe, yes, but it is not this universe in which we are living. Right okay. now. Oh, in my head, it's that one. That's fine. Cool. That's the universe. It's the one in your brain. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I also want to point out that a few days ago, Multitude was having a meeting, and Julia was preparing for this recording session, and she came up to me, and she's like, hey, whatever happened to that giant dog? And just I was gone, huh? Just left, and I'm like, who can say? <laughs> and then you gave me a look. I'm like, oh. Did you already have it. the idea to bring it back? I did. Okay. I was. There are a few Dungeons and Dragons podcasts that I'm actually very inspired by. Taz, we've talked about a lot. One that's recent on the scene is not another D and D podcast made by people from College Humor, uh, Brian Murphy, Emily Axford, Caldwell Tanner, who does a lot of art from Drawfee, and Jake Hurwitz from College Humor and Headgum. Brian Murphy has been playing D&D for such a long time. He's really innovative, and they have a ton of fights, but he really spices it up to make it interesting for his players. So he did a similar thing. They were fighting in this cave, and there was, like, an epic worm that they had talked about for the entire session. It was like these monsters had done, like, blood sacrifices because it, like, lures the bloodlust of the purple worm. And he used the uh, the initiative counter as, like, the, for the randomization. But nothing happened if he didn't land on, on any sort of number. So I'm just like, this dog is extremely destructive. It is not malicious in any sort of way. Right. It really, truly needs to be random and does not know that it's creating problems unless you do something about it. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to put all of that stuff together and make this more interesting for you. I really liked the mechanics of it because I thought early on, you know, oh, should my first act be to throw this stick so that the dog is distracted and goes somewhere else? But then mm-hmm. I realized, like, the odds that it would hit one of our allies versus one of our enemies is roughly equal. If I counted the, the players right, the three of us and Al versus the three Titans and Alonzo. So I figured it was worth the risk. Like, I'd rather neutralize the Council of Bright earlier than get the dog out of the way. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I knew that someone would want to interact with a dog, and I kind of wanted you to make that your choice. I also, like, Alonzo slash the Council of Bright didn't have HP because the intent was to goop him. So I had to figure out different ways to put conditions on him to make your life easier. Mm-hmm. So I was curious about how the Titans were activated. I guess the Council just, like, has that mojo and power to be able to you know stick a battery on it and sort of harness that primordial energy in a new way yes exactly so it once it came back it really just brought the proto warforged in a way i don't want to say robot because robot implies this like very carefully put together thing alabaster in my head is a robot they're like they're animated yeah, they're like animated golems. Actually, I was going to ask you, is there a glowing mark on any of their foreheads? I thought but about that. But then I thought that you would probably, that that would be too simple, so I didn't, I didn't do it. I thought about that for a second. Yeah, these are more like metal golems. I actually reskin them from flesh golem. Flesh golem is That's in, a horrible phrase that you just said It there. really is. These things are disgusting. It's one of the golems within the monster manual. So I reskinned it. There are a lot of things about it which didn't really work. Like they have an aversion of fire they have lightning absorption like very frankenstein-esque so if you hit it with thunder damage uh they actually gain points oh good which is wild they also have magical resistance to everything and like they don't get hurt if you don't hit them with a magic weapon and i just like that didn't really work if i was going to do metal instead of like this magical frankenstein monster sort of thing i kept this thing that they have called berserk so if they go below half their hit points they do like a rage like tracy does and they go with berserk so as i did I rolled d6s. So they go berserk. They basically just attack the nearest creature they can see. And the golem's creator, if they're within 60 feet, 
can try to calm it by speaking firmly and persuasively. Yeah. <laughs> That's like written down. It's, that is literally in there, That's which I thought it was very great. funny. So you have to make a DC 15 charisma Titan? Titan? Grappler? Grappler? We talked about this. And uh, if you haven't heard Eric's appearance on episode 11 of Spirits on the Golem, you should. It's really, really good. Before he was a podcaster, a full year before JTP, he came over, talked about Golems. It was great. And actually, you're on Spirits today talking about Passover. I am. That's me. Triple feature of Eric Silver. Uh, before we move on to questions, I just want to acknowledge that I'm a new man. And, <laughs> what uh, is Okay. Go on. You've taken all my mojo as my, yours. I've ingested everyone's mojos, and now my rolls are going to be good. You are just like a long-proved bread. <laughs> you had to marinate under saran wrap in a low oven for a bit, mm-hmm. and now you're ready to go. Now you're I'm yeasty ready. and ready to party. <laughs> gross rooney Brandon Grugel, yeasty and ready to party. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> you know what's funny? Like We have these ideas of like, the roles being good or bad. And I did assume that like Tracy would not be as much of a factor here. Like wow, I thought that I would rude. Well, just because your roles are bad. So I thought that I might be able to get grapple my just way. You're bad at the things you do. Brandon is not bad in Dungeons and Dragons. It's like you have this idea that the roles will continually be negative. And of course I got fucked by it because my grappler kept losing to Tracy as he did tons of damage and then got knocked out. And I more often do things that I am proficient at, but shooting this gun was not a thing. I tried to do a flip before I shot it, but that didn't work. I feel like it's sort of reversed where like I would often, I feel like normally I would do okay at the thing that I tried to do and then just like change tactics a bunch of times. Whereas Tracy is more like hammering over and over again and like get the thing done that he wants to get done. Anyway, I feel like we were able to show a kind of more versatile fighting style where, you know, Tracy and Cole worked really well together to handle the same foes. And I was kind of on like a, a side solo mission, you know, to like, you know, hammer that nail <laughs> until we uh, were able to neutralize him. Yeah. I would like to say I think Brandon is very good at Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Want to get that on tape? Hey, I think you're pretty good at Dungeons and oh, Dragons thank you. too. Oh, it's pretty good. No, you're very good. Oh, okay, thank okay. you. We'll, <laughs> Appreciate we'll it. Later. Yeah, for sure. Hey, so's Julia. Good. Julia is very good at good Dungeons and Dragons. Good monologue, yo. Thank I really you. enjoyed that. Aww. Just like walking into a darkened stadium, a, pro- a creepy projector is going, creepy projector noises, people hiding in the shadows, and then a, a good, good monologue. Well, I, I have to practice my promo cuts since I'm now actually professionally wrestling so that's cool yeah it was it's really fun to give your villain people to bounce off of i didn't think that i would have the council of bright fully fleshed out in this way but being able to bounce off of cole and inara like he's the council of bright is super vain and into himself and that doesn't surprise me i mean i guess i always had that but it was nice to like really start to flesh that out this was also the first time that alonzo the body was taken over by the council of bright and i think that I'm very uh, excited to see what happens, especially now that there are two bodies, two Alonzos. Yeah. What's two, that about? Two times the trouble, two times the fun. No, no hints. That's the next arc. <laughs> yeah. Trouble party. <laughs> Double party. <laughs> Double trouble party. Oh. oh. No hints. You guys need to deal with what's happening here and we'll figure it out. I think that some people will want to get in there and figure out what's going on, but the will of the players will dictate. We'll see what happens. And we got a big problem on our hands, which is a uh, chrysalis filled with two Alonzos. Let and, them both rot. And a medallion. No, we save our friend. Ugh. We care Tracy about might. him. <laughs> we want to bring him back. We're friends with Greg now. That's true. We just, we just have Greg. It's fine. 
Uh, how about the fact that Anara found a rust potion in her bag from Arc 1? Wild. Absolutely wild. Insane. Eric's like, do you remember your items? Yeah, Eric, I remember my I items. I didn't even say that today. It's the perfect <laughs> moment for it, too. Thank you. I figured, you know, part of my mind was, I, I know that they're rusty already. That's how they were described. But the other one was like, if they're metal, this will eat through metal. And maybe it'll help. Maybe it won't. I am the person, as we've discussed on Spirits before, where I like to hoard everything and not use it until the perfect time. Whether that thing is like nice olive oil or nice soaps or items in D&D. And I am trying to use everything I've got and if I run out, we'll figure out what's next. I'm not pulling punches anymore. Mm-hmm. Somewhere Tammy and Taylor are smiling down. Sideways? Tammy and Taylor are Did probably like 14 <laughs> by now. <laughs> it's been like a year. They've gone through dragon puberty. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Now, they're, now they're 20 feet tall and <laughs> sit atop a, a cave of like gold. I didn't like how that was said. <laughs> dragon puberty. That sounds All right, like... I didn't say it like that. <laughs> That's what oh, I heard. I heard dragon exactly. puberty. That was a perfect impression. Thank I thought you. it was Eric. I said that out loud. Uh-huh. You throw in his voice. Whoa. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Thank you, Julia, for fighting by our side, being our steadfast companion. Always. And joining us for another episode of Join the Party. Of course. Remind the people where they can find you. You can find me at my website, juliashafini.com, or on my Twitter, Julia Shafini. Damn you and your distinctive name. Ha-ha. <laughs> There's another Julia Shafini, but she's Julia underscore Shafini, and she could die. <laughs> all of her, all of her tweets because I follow them. All of her tweets are just like "Happy birthday to my really good friend," Aww. but like every two weeks, you and know. Every time it's Julia Shafidi, it's adding you, and you're like, "Wait, hold up." <laughs> I really uh, admire people who don't need Twitter. You know. <laughs> yep. That that's on me. That sounds nice. Well, I mean, she has the drawback that her middle name is underscore. So yeah, that must be tough on government forms. Yeah. Dumb. Like, all right, Julia, why don't you head out before we punch Eric for his dumb jokes? No! Good. I'll hug you for him. It's fine. Super punch. We'll give you a hug that's so strong you're not sure you want it. <laughs> I, I will want it. Thank you for joining us for another After Party. We are stoked to see what happens next. We'll just be staying in plot cliffhanger limbo until then. So join us. Let us know what you thought of the episode. If you want to sketch out a diagram of what happened in this fight, please do, because there was just so much happening. We're at Join the Party Pod on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And of course, the party is hopping all day, every day in our patron-only Discord. You can pledge to support Join the Party at just a couple of bucks per month at patreon.com slash join the party pod. Make the badger really big on the diagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah it's yeah. very large. It's like human-sized. Yeah. It's like bigger than Inara, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I know. We, we never named them. Rip. Giant badger R.I.P. And with that, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Where do I go? Go home, Brandon, get out of here. There's no more drinks. We cut you off. Oh, no.